You're listening to an Arts Mitten podcast. Hi, everybody. You are listening to Arts Mitten here on Sin. I am Zach, and I am joined by our lovely guest of the day. This is Josh Staley, magician, performer, comedian, showman, and just all manner of absolutely incredible, yeah, performer. Welcome to the show. Hello. What an what a introduction. I have a lot to live up to now. Oh, you certainly do. You certainly do. And I will be honest, I was taking a browse through your website and it seems like you, you do live up to it based on that. But uh, we'll get stuck I'm into it. <laughs> well, we'll get stuck into it. Um, I mean, you have a very long and varied career as a magician from stage appearances to television spots. But I kind of just want to start off by going all the way back and getting an idea of where did it all begin? Of course. Um, so I think most magicians have the same story and that's that at some point they got, you know, a magic kit um, and they just basically never gave it up. So my magic kit came from Bernard's Magic Store. There used to be a, a really great magic stop in Elizabeth Street in Melbourne. Uh, and my brother was actually the magician in the family. So my brother David is a few years older than me uh, and he used to go to Bernard's Magic Shop in the school holidays as like a treat for my parents. And he would go there and get new toys and props and stuff to do in magic tricks. And they also had a joke section. So I'd go there and get like a whoopee cushion. I think that was fantastic. Uh, and eventually my brother just kind of grew out of it. He got into other things. Uh, he ended up becoming a, a drummer. So he's still in the arts. Um, and I got his hand-me-downs. And then I just never got out of it. Magic took my whole world. Um, and it's it's my whole life now. Amazing. Amazing. And you're performing uh, a couple of shows, actually, for the Melbourne Magic Festival. I almost said the Melgen Mavic Festival there. Uh, so you're doing Quicker Than the Eye and Up Late, Up Close, uh, both running July 4th to July 8th. Uh, can you tell us a bit about those shows? I can. So Quicker Than the Eye is what we would call a parlor magic show. So it's a, it's a bigger production. There's 80 people who come into a theatre and they watch, uh, they watch a magic show. It's very interactive. It's full of comedy and fun. Uh, and, you know, it's like sort of, I guess you might say, a, a standard style of magic show, although the show itself is anything but standard. Then half an hour after that show finishes, some lucky audience members can then join me at the card table for a close-up magic show in Up Late, Up Close, hence the name. So the difference is that this show is for 12 people a night and it's performed around a card table, super close up. So everyone gets to be involved um, and everyone has a really intimate experience. So they're kind of two sides of the same magic coin. Um, and I'm really excited this year to be able to give everyone a, a different experience as well. Because it's really rare to be able to do a magic show like Up Late, Up Close, where people are, are literally millimetres away from me uh, and they can you know, reach out and grab the props and get completely involved, but also be able to do a, a bigger magic show in the same night. So it's going to be a pretty chaotic time, but I'm really looking forward to it. Great. Do you have a preference for like the parlor shows versus the close-up magic or is it kind of all one and the same? I really don't. I think part of what keeps my my interest in magic going is that I can constantly move my interests around. So earlier in the year, I was doing a lot of big shows across Australia for festivals and private events. And now in the middle of the year, I get to do close-up show at the Melbourne Magic Festival. And then towards the end of the year, who knows what might happen. So I think by getting to do all sorts of things and really push my interests, it keeps me interested in what's going on. And you never kind of get bored of doing the same thing. And it also keeps my skills sharp because I can't really rest on my laurels just doing one thing. I have to constantly be rehearsing every type of magic and constantly creating new magic for different venues and performance sizes as well, which is really exciting. What What's rehearsing a magic show actually like? Do you do like drills of practicing tricks over and over or is there a set routine? 
It's a, it's, it's a bit of a, a multi-stage process, really, because the first step is you have to figure out the magic. You know, you have to come up with an idea and idea can strike you from anywhere. I might be watching a movie and go, oh, my God, that's such a great idea and, and go from there. Or you might read a book or talk to someone or just hear a funny story. Um, and then once you kind of get your idea generating and start developing that, you have to go through old magic books and look for techniques to kind of pair with the idea to come up with a routine. And then there's that one-on-one kind of self-rehearsal where you sit in front of a mirror or sit in front of a camera and video yourself or or just look what you're doing and and rehearse it yourself, sort of go through the lines and the script. And then the really scary part is actually performing it for someone. And I'm lucky to have a great sort of inner circle consisting of my family and my partner who have seen, you know, more magic tricks than most people alive. And I can do sort of a first run of different ideas for them and get their feedback and get their ideas and stuff like that. And then there's the really scary part, which is actually putting it on stage and doing it for people. Because unfortunately, you can't really properly rehearse magic unless you have an audience to rehearse it for. But we're lucky in Melbourne that the Australian Institute of Magic run monthly events where outsiders, normal people, not family or friends, like genuine spectators, can come to a venue and see us rehearse uh, new pieces of magic. And then they actually give us feedback as well. Um, so it's really, a, a, it's a rare thing that you don't really see much place else. <laughs> that is poor English. Anywhere else in the world where we can rehearse confidently and comfortably in front of real audience members to perfect our material in the lead up for a show like the Melbourne Magic Festival. That's really interesting. Uh, are there any tricks that you've kind of created that you're particularly proud of? Yeah. Uh, so basically everything in in all my shows, the Melbourne Magic Festival, uh, my original spins on things, because the truth is, that I'm not sure anything is like truly unique in magic because it's been it's been around for thousands of years. They they think it could be the oldest art form in existence. Um, so it's really hard to come up with something totally new and unseen in every possible way. But what we like to do is take a really old trick and add a new story to it, or take an interesting story and add a new trick to it, or maybe you add a little variation. So instead of ending like this, you end like this or whatever it is. And I have been putting a lot of effort into, you know, come up with new stuff for this run of shows. Um, I actually have done quicker than I before. I did it for a bunch of different festivals last year. And I'm really excited to kind of bring like 2.0 to the Mold Magic Festival. So there's some of the best stuff from last year and then also some new stuff as well. Because I always try and continue to develop my routines because I never feel like anything's really ever finished. Um, so I'm excited to bring some of the old stuff that's been improved and some totally new stuff as well to the festival. Great. And I guess kind of on the opposite end of the same coin, are there any tricks that you've never quite gotten the hang of that you'd love to perform one day? You know, I think I think every magician has this issue where there's stuff that we fall in love with, and it's usually because it fools us and we don't know how it's done, or it has like a really cool method or a really interesting prop, and we just love playing with it. But unfortunately, not every trick suits every magician because, you know, as a person, I'm quite over the top and funny and I, I like to be loud and crazy. So some tricks I've seen other magicians do like David Copperfield who performs some really beautiful, emotional, silent pieces. It, they just don't really suit me as a person. So although I'd love to be able to perform them, they would just not really come across correctly when I do them because it, it wouldn't be authentically me performing them. So I think a lot of magicians have stuff that they love to do in private just because we find it fun, but we don't really do it on stage because it just doesn't work for us just doesn't quite suit that persona that you've exactly i think it's the same as like a band you know as a musician you might enjoy playing rock because you know it's fun to string those notes on your guitar but you're in a jazz band it would just come across really weird to whack some metallica in amongst your set i don't know jazz is all about improvisation 
Uh, but no, I get what you mean. I get what you mean. You've got a specific vibe that you're going for, and it's just audiences have an ex- expectation. And I guess uh, jumping back to the Melbourne Magic Festival, another thing that you're running is Conjuring College, uh, which is for people who want to actually kind of learn magic, um, and that's running from yeah July 4th to July 8th. Could you tell us a bit about that? Of course, yeah. So it's going to be a very busy day. I actually have four shows um, every day, which will be craziness. But the organizers of the Magic Festival asked me if I'd be able to put on a workshop. And I was super excited for the opportunity because it's a really rare thing. I don't really uh, teach magic very often. Um, but I'm really excited to be able to welcome in young magicians, whether they're beginners or people who maybe have a little bit more experience but just want to keep pushing their skills forward. So we're going to all sit down together and learn some magic secrets. So I've just before we got on this interview, I've been putting together magic kits that I'll be giving out to everyone who comes along. Um, and inside that kit is a bunch of different props and we'll work through how to use them and how to perform magic with everyday objects as well. So there's some really simple stuff in there that someone who's never done magic in their life will be able to pick up. And there's also a couple more intermediate or advanced things that require a little bit of practice. But I think that's part of the fun of magic is actually practicing and developing your skills and then sort of seeing the results of those skills is really exciting as well. So I'm looking forward to meeting a bunch of new people who haven't learned magic before or who have a little bit of interest in it and having hopefully them leaving with a newfound love of magic and being able to blow away their friends and family. Yeah. Could you tell me a bit about some of the props that you've included? Like, do you have a specific favorite prop or just anything like that? So I've tried to focus on sort of objects that look standard or they may not be standard, but things that appear like pieces of paper and coins and books and pens and decks of cards, things that are pretty innocent. Because I think one of the big issues beginner magicians have is when you open a magic kit and you have, you know, bright yellow cups and really weird looking rope and all these kind of magic, magic props. It was really hard when I was starting out to then do magic for my family or friends and convince them that, you know, it wasn't just a a prop that I got out of a kit because at the end of the day, that's exactly what it is. And that's what it looks like. So in the kits I've put together, I have selected material that appears like they're just using everyday objects, whether they are pens and paper or coins or decks of cards, but the props maybe aren't all that they seem. And that's part of the exciting thing of, of getting to learn magic and finding out how you can take everyday objects and alter them or, or manipulate them into ways to achieve these impossible effects. So of course I have a soft spot for a deck of cards and I'm looking forward to being able to share some of my card tricks and slider hand moves with the people in attendance. Um, but there's a, a certainly a, a wide array of, uh, of things in there and a few things that might surprise people and go, there's no way this can do magic. And then of course it does. That's cool. That's so cool. Uh, what do you think young people get out of learning magic? I think there's a lot that can be learned on the surface level, like obviously being able to, you know, do magic and entertain people. But then I think below the surface is where a lot of the skills really shine, especially for young people. Um, Because, you know, being able to present a magic trick requires more than just knowing how the trick works, right? You have to be able to tell a story, engage people, talk to people. So I have done a lot of magic classes to teach things other than actual magic. For instance, being able to, you know, have eye contact, being able to project your voice, being able to, tell an engaging story. And then there's things like learning how to rehearse, learning how to practice. And all these skills are totally transferable into other things. And that's why you see a lot of magicians who are really good at other stuff. And you also meet a lot of other artists who have an interest in magic because they've used that to help them further other things. Like Steve Martin was really famous for being a massive fan of magic, but he didn't really perform very much magic. He just loved it because it taught him skills that he could transfer into being an actor and being a comedian. 
So I think there's a lot of skills that you can learn from magic that you don't really have to be a performing mag- magician to use. So just that performance and that sort of, not extroversion, but willingness to put yourself out there. Exactly. And there's a lot of magicians you meet who, when you meet them just in the dressing room, they're really quiet, shy people, but then they go on stage and they just turn on this whole new character. And you would think they're the most exciting extroverted person you've ever met. And they've developed those skills through performance. And then they go back off stage and they, you know, go back to being really shy and quiet. And it's, it's quite amazing. But I think you see that in a lot of different art forms where you learn how to sort of be a different character who's still you. And, and a lot of people don't ever realize that the character they're seeing on stage isn't that real person. Of course, there's also other people who are just naturally extroverted and loud and, and they're like that all the time. And, and that's great too. And I think that's one of the exciting things about the Melbourne Magic Festival is you get to meet all these different magicians who have all these different skills, personalities, performance types, and like there's literally something in a magician for everyone. That's great. Uh, I mean, where do you feel like you fall on that kind of spectrum of a bit more introverted off stage, extroverted on stage, or are you just always all the time? Uh, I mean, I think no one's ever really on all the time, but I think I'm pretty close. Um, you know, I, I, I like being fun and funny and, and joking around um, all the time. But of course, when I go on stage, you, you know, you really have to kick it up a gear because it's a show and people have come to see a performance. So it's about putting in 100% effort on stage, even if maybe I don't necessarily feel that way. So, you know, in the past when you've been really tired or had a hard day or maybe not feeling great, when you step on stage, all of a sudden the 100% crazy Josh Daly comes out and then when I walk off stage, you know, I can go back to being tired or sick or whatever it is. Do you have like a stage voice? Uh, my, my stage voice is just what you're hearing right now, but just a little bit louder, a little bit more projected um, and, you know, really trying to make sure that everyone in the room can hear me perfectly because I think that can be a really big challenge doing shows for a large audience. Like in the, the quicker in the eye with 80 people in the room, I, I just can't speak quietly and mumble to myself. Um, I, and even though I have a microphone and all that kind of stuff, I really try to be loud and um, and crazy and, and talk fast and energetically. But at the same time, not so fast that people can't hear me and not so loud that they're just hearing like a deafening sound. So there's kind of striking that balance between appearing to be high energy, but also cr- carefully crafting exactly what you're saying and how you're saying it. Great. Uh, so kind of moving on a bit. Uh the phrase, like, a magician never reveals his tricks is a very kind of popular idiom. Is it something that you personally believe in or do you like explaining the methods behind your tricks? So a popular idiom is quicker than the eye. The hand is quicker than the eye. And that's exactly what the show is about. So quicker than the eye examines this idea of revealing tricks. And the, the framework of the show is talking about secrets and, and how they affect us. Because the truth is, I don't keep my secrets from you because I don't want you to have the tricks done. I don't want you to know how the trick's done because the wonder that you can experience seeing a magician perform is taken away as soon as you know how it works. So a lot of magicians wish that they could still be fooled and amazed by magic because, you know, once you know magic well enough and you've been in magic for long enough, it's really hard to experience those same feelings again. So quick in the eye is about examining that idea. And at, towards the end of the show, I do start revealing secrets and we kind of look at how that changes the audience's perception on what they're experiencing. And, you know, I can't obviously give everything away, but part of the show is also giving away some secrets and then, well, maybe not everything is as it seems and trying to get the audience to still be amazed and have that feeling of wonder, even if they think they know what's going on. So for me, I'm not really that fussed about people finding things out. Um, you know, obviously I'm doing a show, uh, a workshop where I'm teaching basically anyone who buys a ticket how to do magic. But at the same time, I'm protective of some things because I'm really happy to encourage 
people to learn magic and learn some basic material and, and being able to amaze their friends and family. But I think once you kind of step over that edge and really get deep down into magic, you have to be prepared to make the sacrifice. But although you might know how things are done, you're never again going to be able to enjoy those things in the same way. So I think there's a real commitment you have to make that you want to now be able to share that wonder instead of experience it. Yeah, it sounds like a really kind of delicate balance in order to keep up the entertainment while also kind of giving a little peek behind the curtain there. 100% because I think the unfortunate truth is that people have these ideas that the secrets behind magic are better than being able to see the magic trick. But then once you know how it's done, all of a sudden you kind of feel let down that it's not as exciting as you thought and you just have sort of ruined it for yourself. So I think it's a better proposition to know a few basic tricks and know how to do a few cool things, but then leave it at that, unless you're really committed to becoming a magician and being able to perform and amaze people. Mm. Uh, kind of starting to wrap up here, on your website, you've described yourself as a conjurer, not just a magician. Uh, is there a reason that you use that word in particular? Uh, marketing purposes? <laughs> uh, not, re- not really. Um, the the Josh Daly conjurer is, it's, a, it's an interesting term because conjuring is kind of an old-fashioned old-timey term and you know it sort of elicits an interesting image as opposed to just a magician and I think it creates a cool idea in people's mind because I label myself as a conjurer a magician a showman and a comedian because I think it it kind of pushes across the idea that I'm more versatile than just being able to do card tricks because to be a successful magician you really do have to be a master of multiple skills and wear many hats And I think the best magicians are more than just a magician. And that doesn't mean you have to be really funny or really this or really that. But I think when people go to see a show, the best shows are those that elicit other other emotions other than just how to do that. And that's what we try and try and push forward in the shows that I'm performing at Magic Festival. So whether you're laughing or crying or whatever it is, I want you to feel other things other than just, oh, I need to know how that was done. Because that's not really the point. Right. Great. And uh, just wrapping up, where can people find more about you or more about the Melbourne Magic Festival? Yeah, so the best place to visit is either the social media for myself or the Melbourne Magic Festival. So you can Google it or you can go onto any social media platform and find it, or you can go to the website. So as you mentioned, I have my own website, which is joshdaily.com, or you can visit the Melbourne Magic Festival. It's the biggest festival of its kind in the Southern Hemisphere, so I can guarantee that there will be a show for you. Great. Thank you so much for joining me here today. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, and I hope to see you in the audience. Thanks for listening to an Art Smitten podcast. You can listen to Art Smitten live every Saturday from 12pm on Sin. Sin.